You're listening to The Outer Timers, and now here are your hosts, Chief and Ben. We're back, episode two, The Outer Timers. I am Ben, I'm with my buddy... (laughs) Chief, yeah, we're still learning, it's a learning curve still. Who thought we'd be back for episode two? Mate, that's the biggest step of all. If you come back for your second ep, hopefully you just continue. Yeah. Yeah. It's like running down a hill. That's it. That's so it. many people don't come back. We've come back. What have you been up to this week? Oh, chief. I'm feeling really inspired. I've been listening to loads of Joe Rogan, and I think I'm going to do an ultra marathon. Do you know what that is? No idea. Well, a marathon is obviously 26.2 miles, and an ultra marathon is basically anything above that. Got it. So I'm looking to try and do a 50-mile race or something like that. And what is the benefit of running a 50-mile race? Is that like feathering the cap to say you've done it? It's personal growth, Chief. Got it. Seeing how hard you can push your body. Got it. I think what had happened to me is I massively plateaued with my uh, running. So running for years and years, but not seeing kind of any kind of progress. So now I'm going to change things up and, yeah, get some miles under the belt. Okay. I can't imagine you running, really. You're more of a cyclist. Big cyclist, went through a phase of rowing you, machine in the gym. You haven't yeah. got the arms for that, have you? As in the reach? Well, I'm not short got, arms? I've, I've not got abnormally <laughs> short arms, no. I don't know if that's what you're suggesting. But. I think we should get that on the Let's get some. Uh, get a photo of your arms on the, on the socials. Right. Yeah, let's, let me write that down. Uh, measure Chief's, Chief's arms. arms. Measure it's arms. like you're being fitted for a suit. All right, yep, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, hey, hey! But apart from that, apart from feeling all inspired, there's yeah. uh, I've got no baby news. So okay. baby number three has not come out yet, That's which good is news good because it's, yeah. it's not due. Um, <laughs> so do you know what I did? Because it's kind of it's award season, so yes. it, that yes. means it's Baftas, it's Oscars, and I have been um, I haven't been going to the cinema much recently, okay. which yep. is really strange for me because I kind I pretty much see everything at the cinema almost everything anything that's going to be good yeah. and I was I like did oh, a, everyone's uh, talking about these films I did uh, 72 movies at the cinema one year that's my record but anyway carry on is, is that impressive or not that is what that's is mega that? what are you kidding yeah, me yeah. Well, go on just do the math average person what is that, average a, mu- person, what is that a month average person goes 1.5 times a year yeah I've got that limitless thing and yeah. I thought I was winning but I think they're winning yeah they are but anyway <laughs> Um, yeah, so you've not been to the cinema much, but yeah. So you know, it's an, uh, I'm getting angry because you've got all these commentators are talking about these films, and I'm like, ah, I still haven't seen it. So I've been doing some major catching up. Go on. And um, I, I use this app. I sent it to you. This letterboxed app, mm. which is really handy for tracking yeah. what films you've watched, and you can give them a little five star rating. But you can also make lists of correct like, what you want to watch. I'll just take you through my list. I guess commentators aren't really talking about the first few of these, but so what I've watched since the last episode of this podcast, I've done Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yep, uh, three and a half stars. Then I did Sleepless in Seattle, three stars. Interesting. Now, I guess I just heard someone say that, so I just watched it. Yeah. Uh, then I went to the cinema and I saw 1917, gave that four and a half stars. That is a very good film. Okay. Very well made film. I don't know. I don't know how much you know about it, but it's World War One, and it is shot to look like it is one continuous take. So it is in real time. Now that probably doesn't float your boat, does it, Chief? No, it's not a gimmick. It's quite. It's quite fun actually because 
it isn't one continuous take. There's loads of sort of cheats in it and you can try and spot where they are. I think there's probably about 20 cuts. Okay. So it's essentially like long five, 10 minute scenes and then they'd go through a door and it would, you know, it might go dark and it's like, bang, there's a cut. Got it. And then I saw Marriage Story. I caught up on that. That's a Netflix film. Never heard of it. Quite a tough watch. Probably not one to watch with your wife. Right, <laughs> just, okay. It's just about people getting divorced. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's shot on 35 mil and it looks incredible. And I kind of wish all films were actually shot on film. Right. And then, finally, I got round to watching The Joker. How I didn't see that at the cinema, I, I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, that surprises me. I think I turned into you a little bit and went um, a little bit contrary because okay. there was so much hype around it, wasn't there? And I was like, oh, crikey, is this just going to be a guy staring at a mirror for two hours? But I had, quite on, the, tell me. I had quite the journey with it. So I watched it in the daytime. It was raining outside. Yep. And I thought, this is the darkest film I have ever seen. Okay, and I was so depressed at the end of it. And I, I gave it like two and a half stars on Letterboxd. And I was like, when will I ever watch that again? Now, I had, I had, I haven't seen it, but the, the common consensus of all the people that I'd spoken to that I know who had seen it were there was no, there was no grey area or there's no straddling the fence. Either 50% of them thought it was amazing or 50% of them thought it was garbage. There was no middle ground. And well, you've kind of, at the moment, you've, you're saying you sided on that garbage side. Yeah, I was on I was on Team Garbage, but then I couldn't stop thinking about it, specifically his performance and a couple of scenes. I just couldn't shake, and I was like, yeah, I really want to watch this again, which is strange for a okay. two-and-a-half-star So when are you going to watch film. it again? So I watched it again. Ah. I watched it the next day. <laughs> ah, well, okay, okay. okay. I watched it the next day. I think this might be a masterpiece. That's a 180 flip <laughs> reverse. <laughs> and... Chief, I actually watched it again after that. Give me a break. Three times? I watched it three times, because that evening I watched the commentary. <laughs> and I think that was part of my bias going in, was it was the dude that made all of the Hangover films. Okay. And I, I, I was like, oh, crikey. And I thought, is it just going to be fake dark, you know? Right. But... It's all the way it dark. It really it is extraordinary. His Joaquin Phoenix's performance is simply incredible. Right. And it could be political. I mean, it definitely is interesting that that film came out at this time, but it's certainly a kind of a good advert for why governments shouldn't cut funding on things like, uh, you know, mental health and things like that. Oh, right, okay. You know, you know a lot about the Joker coming from comic books and... The various films but my been... expectation would be that it's not a comic book movie it's not really no. no and i wonder if that is where this you know 50 percent. i'm just i don't know if i'm making that figure up but 50 percent of the audience that didn't like it I wonder if they went in thinking it was going to be a batman related movie because yes. i don't know how much Mar- i know he wasn't in any i know the joker was in the trailers and but was it ever branded as this is not a comic book movie I guess when you say comic book movie, essentially what you mean is it's not Spider-Man or the Avengers, but he is a character from a comic book, so you know. Is it? it te- is it? it is it him is. then? Is it? Is it 
is he the Joker from... Well, that's... It's really clever because it's probably meant to be set in kind of like 1980. Yeah. But it never tells you that. It doesn't even really shout that it's Gotham that much. I mean, it does a little bit. But what I'm saying, it's got this kind of else world feel to it. Like, it's, it's operating in its own bubble. And it's like, yes, that is the Joker, but it's it's a version of the Joker. So, what's the Joker's real name from the comic books? Um, because it's not. Well, I don't know. they've invented a, they invented a new name for him, and it's almost like you're watching it. And it's like, well, yeah, this could be the Joker. It's a version of the Joker. It's about as dark as you could ever get. I mean, but it, uh, he is a dark character. So, okay. so now, yeah. what was your final rating then? At the moment, I think it's four. Okay. But it probably will go up to four and a half because there's certain scenes that I, I can't stop watching. They're kind of beautifully dark <laughs> and twisted. And where his the makeup, his performance, his eyes, it's like, oh my God, he actually is that guy okay. in that moment. It's like acting at its absolute so highest, have, highest level. Have you seen the other contenders in best actor category there's nothing that can come close to that performance because he's going to a level that few can probably get to i'll give it a go i'll give it a go tune in i won't say next week but in case i haven't done it to listen to my my views but it might be the week after but um i will seek it out and give it a go yeah can i recommend that you have something ready afterwards like a shotgun (laughs) something fluffy okay like uh Shrek or something, I don't okay. know. All right, ready to go, yeah? A feel-gooder. Yeah. Right, okay. All right, you're worried where I'm going to go, into the rabbit hole. But, dude, you're using Letterbox, aren't you? I so am using Letterbox, and this is... What's popped up? Well, this is um, th- giving me an idea, because um, another one of... We, we heard about last week my failed, so far failed, I'm going to try and catch up, my resolution of trying to watch uh, Star Wars... Uh, once a week doesn't sound that hard episode four five and six once a week for the year i am going to try and catch up on that every second that goes by chief yeah i'm losing that battle deficit i'm keeping a i can't keep a record of my success or failure on resolutions until december 31st 2020 so i'm going to keep a record of doing well not doing well so at the moment it's uh doing well zero not doing well one in that column um my second resolution that i decided to do was way back in 2014 i decided to try and watch 200 movies in a calendar year and that was cinema- across all formats yeah sorry. cinema tv um dvd whatever dvd any any you know multiple is that a high number i can't work it out see again i think that is a high number because that is an average break it of down to me four a, week. To a week it's four a week chief that average I mean, I, person I piss, I piss one all over this Chief, I just watched Joker three times in two yeah, days. I know, but what I'm saying is the average person watches one movie a week, I reckon. Billy Average Person. Right, I'm doing a straw poll tomorrow at work. Let me write this down. Poll at work. Work. How many <laughs> How many movies do you watch a week? Right. Anyway, I tried to watch 200 movies in a week, in a year. I did, 200, <laughs> I did 203. I did 203. And I've just found an old Tumblr account of mine from 2014. I'm going to share the link to this. People can see, because I wrote down all the 203 movies, I'm not going to list them all now, that I watched, and I <laughs> gave each one a one-line synopsis and score out of 10. And I've just found okay. it. I'm going to give you a couple. The first ones I watched were Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Stinker! And I, and I put the worst of the quadrology by a wide margin, 4 out of 10. Um, 
Four out of ten. Yeah, That's you, high. You're saying I've overmarked it. Uh, Conair, an over-the-top action romp, but we all knew that. Semi-enjoyable. Five out of ten. Lemony mm. Snicket series of unfortunate events. Cracking kids flick that works for adults as well. One of Kerry's best. Seven out of ten. I fully agree with that and wish they'd have done more. Uh, I'll give you two more. American Hustle. Great performances, but I feel like we've seen it all before. A lesser boogie night. 6.5. Well done. Uh, and Riddick. At least it's better than the second one. 5 out of 10. Um, you can see all of my 203 movies I watched in 2014 when I share this link uh, on the socials. I love but... that 2014. <laughs> yeah, 2014. But what? I've, but it's, one of my resolutions was I'm going to try and do it again. I'm going to try and watch another 200 movies uh, in this calendar year of 2020. And let me just get to Letterboxd. And it gave me another idea of if I'm trying to watch 200 and you're here claiming that that is not a big amount, let's go head to head. Chief versus okay, Ben. Game on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Who can who can watch the most movies? Let me find this list. Chief, what about repeat viewings? I'd like to keep it to um, not repeat viewing. So it can be a film you've seen before, but yes. watching three Joker three times counts as once. Okay, fine. Okay. Uh, so I have watched... I think I've got uh, the drop on you already. Well, I checked your account, and I think you're on 14 That's uh, solid. for the year. I am on 8 for the year. Quick rundown of my 8... Highest ranking order: Die Hard two, five stars. Um, Ghostbusters two, four and a half. Young Guns two, four. Romancing the Stone three and a half. Deep Blue Sea two and a half. Uh, the Game two and a half. Frozen two, two and a half. The Mask one. Oh man, I'm just, lo- I'm just looking at mine. I kicked off 2020 with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, strong. Then I watched Romancing the Stone, Field yeah. of Dreams. Yeah. This is a wild list already. Yeah. I probably think i'm unplayable at this but i don't know we'll see how it goes okay so uh, at the moment on this one doing well not doing well i'm not giving a point to to you or me at the moment because i think it's early days so we'll catch up on this next week to see which movies we've watched in the coming week and we'll do an overall score check to see who's ahead in the race to 200 nice Um, i'll tell you what we haven't been doing chief we haven't done any battlefront well i went on there about 10 minutes ago before we came on live on the air and i noticed that your account said uh, hasn't been on for 12 days. I've been watching movies. Yeah, correct. Trying to get the jump on me. Uh, yeah, so very quickly here, uh, I've got a couple of Battlefront banter updates. As usual, if you listened last week, you know that when I feel I've been wronged playing Star Wars Battlefront on PS4, I send a message to the wrongdoer, the evildoer, uh, which is just hacker reported. And uh, three... Three recounts this week. Uh, Black Black eight two two star uh, did a combat roll through a med pack, did a jump pack, and then bowcasted me to death. So for that, he got a hacker reported message, and his response: "Good for you." <laughs> um, and then, uh, do you chalk that up as a win or? For me, uh, no, because I, I that's a win for him because I failed to send him another hacker reported message. So right. if I get a response, I just immediately have to send a hacker reported. And when he fails to reply, that is a victory for me. Okay. So victory for you, Black822 star, so far. Um, Kormiz Kazoo uh, shot me with a scout pistol. Now this is a close range weapon with a, about a 10 to 15 feet uh, distance. He shot me with that and killed me from about Other 100, s- from about 100 yeah. feet. Other side of the map. Other side of the map. Uh, so he gets <laughs> a hacker reported message uh, to which he replied... Uh, lol who me question mark 
Then he replied again, hacker, sure. Then he replied again, you can't even play the game and now you're spotting hackers. And again, I haven't sent him a hacker reported message on the top of that because I had sent the hacker reported Sounds message. Sounds like he was working himself up into a frenzy yeah, there. So almost, vi- almost victory to me, but I'd sent that original message to him, then turned the PS4 and went, uh, went to bed, turned it off and went to bed. So he's going to have one waiting for him the next day. Um, and then finally, Precore Ketkel sent me a message saying, Hello, my friend. You've been oh. reporting a long time ago. I really missed you. Smiley face, laughing face. And he sent a message because I actually sent him a hacker reported message on the 12th of March 2018. Jeez. To which that's he, a nice callback. To which he didn't reply. And then I sent him one the other day, almost two years later. You know, as we said, there is a limited pool of people playing this game. Yeah. I like to feel like you've been round everyone. <laughs> so when they see your name, yeah. they're like, oh my God, it's this nutter. Yeah, yeah. Um, very quickly, before we move on to... Uh, interesting news we've got a, a special guest showing up in the studios they're going to be here live i think we're waiting for them to get out of the bath possibly because uh, it's the only place they're comfortable that is your missus more to be explained Certainly on that is. in a minute um, before we wait for her to get dried off and towel down um i watched the royal rumble <laughs> some wwe action now uh you were you a wrestling fan back in the day Okay, so I liked it like with um, yeah, Jake the Snake okay. and Ultimate Warrior, yeah. Hulk Hogan, yeah, yeah. and then I stopped at the attitude bit, okay. the bad attitude. So, so I stopped with Stone Cold and all that. So some say the best bit ever. You would come round and, and you'd have like VHSs. There'd be like yeah. two tapes That's for it. WrestleMania 3. Where, oh, that was what four. was the headline? WrestleMania 4, I think that was. Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan? Yeah, that was three. WrestleMania 4 was the doubleheader. That was a tournament. Um yeah, but, we were into it. Yeah, so I I think the first WrestleMania I ever watched was WrestleMania 5. That was the first one I watched live. That was on a, a channel called Screen Sport on the old B Sky B. Uh it's kind of a that was a forerunner for Eurosport. But um yeah, so we kind of watched it all that period. I watched it through into the late 90s, the early 2000s, then I took a break from it for like, you know, 15 years or whatever. But I decided to watch the Royal Rumble. Now, by the time this episode goes live, that would have been a couple of weeks ago. But uh, a lot of the players in the game, a lot of the new wrestlers were new to me. I didn't know them. But it was a strange old beast. It was it was a good one. The main Rumble itself, Brock Lesnar. You know Brock Lesnar? Yeah. Uh, WWE wrestler, went to MMA, won the World Heavyweight title, uh, then came back to wrestling. He's now got a big contract there. He was the number one entrant in the Rumble. And they did a storyline where he literally eliminated the first, like, 13 people. So the first two came in, he chucked the guy out, and he's just jumping around laughing. Next guy come in, eliminates him. Next guy comes in, eliminates him. 13 times in a row. What's the deal? Every minute, someone's coming in. I think it's two minutes or... Is it mixed gender now as well? No, they have a separate women's rumble now. That started two years ago. Okay. uh, On the same show. The first one was two years ago. Late to the party on that. Um, But, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, he... So that was storyline was there. And then a guy called Drew McIntyre. He's a Scottish dude who got fired, I think, or got let go by WWE about six years ago, worked the indie scene, then came back, hit the steroids because he's massive. He eliminated Brock Lesnar. So now that is a storyline that's ongoing. Uh, he ended up winning the Royal Rumble, so I think he's probably going to challenge Brock Lesnar. In Lesnar's. spectacular fashion? What did he do? Uh, he gave him what's called the Claymore kick. So Brock Lesnar was stumbled on the ropes, and he comes just as a running boot to the face and sent the man tumbling over the top rope. Uh, the way He won the Royal Rumble, so that means he gets a shot at the title. There's two separate titles now, and he will be, I imagine, challenging Brock Lesnar 
uh, at WrestleMania. And where is the WWE at the moment in terms of popularity? Is it is it the biggest it's ever been or is it on a downward no, turn? I would say because... They Someone did... told me the writing's really woeful at the moment. Well, yeah, well, I don't watch it week to week. I kind of watch the Rumble and WrestleMania and then... I, I re- you watch the big events, yeah, SummerSlam. and I hear, but apparently, like you say, I think numbers are down. I think they signed a new deal with Fox TV. For well, because re- someone else has started up, haven't they? Uh, a- a rival. AEW, All That's Elite it. Wrestling, which is yeah. uh, WWE cast-offs and, it's, and it's indie a bit more stars. Gruesome. Yeah, I don't know, not watched it. Um, you know, maybe WWE we'll, really I'll tell you what, it down. I'll tell you what, we'll get Dave on for a guest slot because he watches AWE, uh, our mate Dave, and he can give us a 15-minute uh, synopsis on AWE and the wrestling scene as a whole. I think what it's done is I'm not going to start watching it regularly at all, but it's got my juices flowing for going back to that era when we were watching and uh, re-watching some of the pay-per-views from that era. So, I think um, that's I think that's your best bet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that, and uh, I might let, let the people know uh, how two, it goes. Two men spending ten minutes just doing test of strength. See that wouldn't <laughs> that wouldn't fly today. There's no, no way a ten year old's gonna no. watch that. They're like, what are they doing? Yeah, you need high. Like this is wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, oh, wait a minute. I think I can hear the uh, the bath waters drain out. I think I think it's time for our first interview. Boom! Special guest in the house. Your house. Emma, welcome to the Outer Timers, our first interview. Hello. Hi. Hello. You didn't look very far for your first guest. <laughs> no, I, I, I looked to the bar. Yeah, you get what's on the table. <laughs> How are you doing, Ems? You're out of the bar. I'm good. I'm very, very, very pregnant. Yeah. How pregnant are we? You? 36 weeks. Yep. Okay, so we've okay. got four, four weeks to go. Mm. And the bar is essentially the only place where you find solace yeah is there any special um treatments you like in the bar do you like candles or do you like a certain yeah. type of bubble bath yeah she's yeah. gonna burn the house down okay yeah i got quite a lot of rituals i really like salts because i like my okay. legs to float and i've got this like you put in enough salt that your legs actually float they float do they yeah huh and I like, I've got this oil that I put in, and I like candles, and I listen to either a podcast or read a magazine. Do you think you'll listen to this podcast? I don't know if this one's relaxing enough for no. my <laughs> bath time ritual. High tempo, this is high tempo. <laughs> I don't know how your chakras would be listening to this. Yeah, I'm in there for solitude, I don't know how that effective that would be to just listen to you in there well we got you on here because i thought it might be interesting for us to ask you some questions about some stuff cool can you introduce yourself ems i am the founder of an agency called the pineapple lounge i've been running that business for 10 years now um, i have office in uh and team in london and new york and we are experts in kid culture so me and my team we study what's happening with kids and families and parents and what they're doing, what their trends are, um, how they're changing, different generations, that kind of thing. And we do that on behalf of um, loads of different global brands, so gaming companies, toy companies, movie studios, food brands, um, anyone that's looking to understand what what's happening with kids, um, those are our clients. Chief, um, are we so looking they... to understand? so so would these companies come to you like you say to understand the trends of the kid culture for the purposes of 
helping them out with their products, I guess. Yeah, so they want they want to make their products or their advertising or their films or whatever it is. They want to make them better than all their competitors. But it's not always products, is it? Sometimes it's a much broader what is the the landscape going to be in five years for toys? Yeah, so that would be more of an innovation project. So it might be um, we need to design the next two years worth of toy ideas. And to do that, we need to know like what are the big cultural things happening with parents and kids that we can design our products to to kind of align with how people are thinking and feeling so it's very exploratory um it's very it's very it's very deep um lots of kind of in-depth conversations lots of hanging out with people um lots of kind of going to different different parts of the world lots of literature reviews it's very very um yeah kind of rich research that we do it sounds it's and i guess one thing is you do you have to be tricky in terms of you don't want um potential clients using your expert knowledge to then for lack of a better word kind of exploit kids i guess you know by yeah that must be that's where you say you is that eggshells ems uh, not really i mean no i mean i i accept that i work within the industry of um children's brands and um they market to children but they that these are all massive brands that i'm yeah. working for so they they adhere to really quite hardcore uh, standards um, of ethics and the companies that we're working for all you know they're all really cool you know they make great stuff stuff that you know you'll buy for your kids and probably have in your house Um, we don't work for any uh, (laughs) any kind of uh... yeah it's not like you're working for big tobacco (laughs) that's what I mean you can be you can be you can be selective about who you want to work with so we can yeah and we also as as a company our mission statement is what we do is we help brands bring more meaning into the commercial world. So so what we mean by that is the ideas that we give them and the recommendations that we give them are to do things like, you know, bring parents and kids together or make parents' yeah. lives easier. Or Much more enrichment. Exactly. Or to have some kind of like social purpose or, you know, bring more play into kids' lives. So it's all... It's all it's all wholesome stuff, really. What about your? Because um, I know you've got an Instagram account. Yes. Now, what's that all about? I I've been doing what I do for over twelve years now. So obviously, during that time, I've learned a lot of stuff about um, kid psychology, um, how children behave, um, the benefits of things like play. Um, studied different types of education system and and as I've been kind of going through my career I've always thought this information is absolute gold dust for parents and it's a lot of it is the stuff that you don't really think about um in as much detail as a parent so really thinking about you know what 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 impact does it have on my child the characters that they engage with or the movies that they watch or their their kind of their psych- psychology psychological relationship with devices and technology so i started this instagram account really to apply some of the bigger things that i've learned but um for for other parents um to chat to them about it so it's called the playful den the underscore playful underscore den and it's all about living playfully so I'm a real advocate of uh, playful living and the benefits of play people are very engaged with the topic I think play is it's a really interesting subject because 
it's changed quite a lot since when we were all children um and there's kind of less freedom less independence less just going outside and playing um and it's become more structured more time pressured it has to share that space in family lives with the homework and different forms of technology um so i think you know I'm, i'm trying to just remind people to to tap back into their intuition and why it's good really and and how to sort of facilitate it at home yeah. i don't think chief knows this are we allowed to say that you're writing a book yeah emma yeah okay. well you've blurted it out there so spoiler no no I've, I've talked about it quite a lot um yeah i'm writing a book about play so i'm doing i'm going on 100 play dates i want to do one with with you chief actually i'm going on 100 play dates with people okay um aged from like two to like in their 80s okay and i'm 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 doing it with a photographer and we're capturing um what play means to people and how it looks differently because i think when people say play they just think like kids and toys um and actually when i talk about play i'm talking about any activity that you're doing just for fun where you lose a sense of time um where you're completely free uh and where you're in a, a kind of curious and open mindset that's that's kind of the principles that i believe is what makes something um playful so i want to write this book to um to encourage people to find their play um and do more of it because i think it has very similar well-being benefits to things like um you know doing yoga and mindfulness and you know resting and all that kind of stuff that there's a lot of chatter about in the in the kind of well-being space um and i think people should should talk and think about what their play is more talking about play activities i have too many play activities and you know (laughs) what do you would you say too many hobbies yeah but all of them all of them give me joy uh, joy and fun but in different they all tweak a different part of my brain um Mm. so to speak so it's it's difficult i find it's difficult to juggle them all and i am constantly on a what i call a completion quest so i need to play this x amount of video games and i need to read x amount of comics in this certain time i need to watch this many movies i need to uh, play this many board games or build this much lego and that's actually starting to take the fun away from from that play so yeah that's because that that well then it doesn't become play yeah because if you're quantifying it and you're putting some sort of target on it you've stopped it being play yeah yeah well that even speaking about it now is that's that's that is (laughs) what's happening but and i hadn't really verbalized it before so he's thinking i could be building lego right now (laughs) (laughs) do you find that um being engaged with your own personal play world helps you to be able to play with your daughter surely that's a big yes because that's a yes for me it's a good question i don't i don't know the answer to that really um surely you must be like harvesting a really sort of strong relationship with reading with her yeah but um comics and things but but i'm 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 off the top of my head struggling to look at the to, to define the crossover between my play and her play um i guess from from the creative side because i'm i'm quite a creative person i like to think and she very much is is showing big signs of of that as well so Mm. i think when we're doing those things together we kind of do 
uh, kind of get lost in it and and just end mm. up doing random stuff. And especially my wife as well. She's I wouldn't necessarily she would come across as the most creative person, but when she's playing with our daughter, she is very creative. Mm. Well, I think everyone's creative because I think a lot. I speak to a lot of people um on my through my Instagram and I think a lot of parents particularly mums I would say actually um find it quite hard they don't know how to play um and I think partly it's because they maybe weren't played with as a child um in their own formative years yeah and partly it's because they don't have anything in their own world that's like their own personal play um and therefore that that kind of makes them feel more uptight or like they don't really know what to do um so that's kind of what what, what I always advise them really you got to, you got to find your own thing to yeah. be able because once you've got that you you radiate that energy um to to your little person I think yeah I mean I think that I mean Ben is like amazing at playing with now, the kids hey I want to I want to I want to touch on this because this man here is big into uh we'll call it the retro vibe yeah uh, loves the 80s and 90s and mm. that seems to dominate a lot of his his thoughts and his play and is that rubbing off mm. on the kids or would they have, have have sought that out by themselves or do you think you know he has definitely um engaged when i dipped them my toes into this did you think oh this is his midlife crisis he's not going out and buying a porsche he's going out and buying he-man and vhs tapes <laughs> yeah because you actually I bought stopped. you I actually stopped. bought you actually bought a vhs recorder didn't you yeah it, it's yeah. in the tv yeah but i think one one of the things that i do think is also this isn't just me though is it emma you can't deny no. that um nostalgia yeah is is really doing its thing right now but i think as adults we sometimes overly kind of forget who we were as children and we do that at, at to an extent that's too extreme like we we you know the, the the formative years that we have as children and the way that we play and how we develop that that they're, they're like the building blocks of who we are forever no matter how much you kind of change and, and grow up and I don't know why people are so adamant of kind of moving away from them in such an extreme way and I think actually if you can connect I mean you take it to the extreme but if you can connect with your inner child that helps you to I think find your play and continue to pursue passions and things that you're truly interested in because a lot of those those little sparks that give you that creative energy or fire imagination a lot of those actually will come from when you were a child um so I think it's kind of cool that you're so in touch with that. I am quite fascinated by the extremes that you take it to. <laughs> what do you think? What extremes would that be, though? Well, you're bidding on blockbuster stuff on <laughs> eBay. Okay. Do you know what? Fairs. I mean, that is quite extreme. But I did promise you, Emma. I said that this isn't. I have a few things that I want to get. I've pretty much got those things. Yeah. I never wanted to turn this kind of room into just like a retro dungeon i wanted it to be little nods to my childhood i don't really have an interest of just sort of randomly bidding on just anything from the 80s i'm actually kind of done yeah and and apart from that blockbuster car i don't like the word of when people when people say oh you know people need to grow up and yeah that's that's horrible because that's suggesting that what 
before what you're growing up from is bad yeah and you need to stop being a child and grow up I mean yeah why don't lose that that childhood innocence you can still have that as an adult surely well one of the worst things that we lose I was talking about this on stories the other day is curiosity so as a child you're naturally programmed to to ask questions that's why kids are like why 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 all the time and the older you get the more that curiosity diminishes because you think um when you you go through adolescence you think you know it all (laughs) and you think you know you don't need to ask any questions anymore and then you go on to become an adult and you're meant to get a job and you're meant to be grown up and you're meant to kind of do all these things to conform to what an adult is meant to look like and be within society and as part of that curiosity and as a result creativity can be really squashed upon and that's why a lot of people lose their play as well and their kind of their their play activities because they think I haven't got time to do that or I'm not meant to be doing that or shouldn't be wasting my money on that um and that's when people um find themselves just in the grind yeah yeah, so. that's just society's expectations of what an adult should be. Yeah. It's really boring and really dull. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's also a lot of it is, is who you surround yourself with, because I doubt there's any of your friends, Ben, who would look down their nose at your... Um, no, you know, they your, all think... Your, your love of nostalgia and 80s and 90s retro stuff. None of them are going to say, what is this clown doing? No, they love coming in this room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't? Now... Emma, from a marketing point of view, it's undeniable that various, you know, big companies, film companies, toy companies are leaning into this nostalgia dollar. Now, is that because Gen Xers and older millennials are the people in power at the moment? Yeah, so there's a couple of things on that. Um, The time when we grew up was an explosion in popular culture. So you were able to um, buy mass consumer goods, which meant that there were loads more toys around and things became more affordable. Um, It was the first time there were kid-only TV channels. Um, There was a huge music explosion. Like If you kind of look back at that time in the sort of 80s, early 90s, although there were still like bad things happening in the world um it's not to the extent that you see today so it was it was the kind of pop culture that that was the news like that kind of was um absolute foundations of the formative years so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to dig back into um that people really connected with um and i think the other thing is we have this sort of slightly unique feeling whether we have it subconsciously or we're aware of it that perhaps we had the last kind of analog childhood um perhaps we were the last generation that ever experienced that sort of unique sense of freedom and kind of analog play we had technology but you could argue we had almost like the perfect balance it didn't really interrupt our lives, our play, our kind of, um, you know, our, our worlds. It's not the digital living that we know now. You could, you, I, I think you could say that we had just like the perfect tipping point. We had consoles, we had MSM Messenger, <laughs> you know, we had mm. stuff that was, that was playful. It was all technology geared mostly around play. So I think, um, especially now that we're all becoming parents, I think that we sort of pine for that back um and and kind of are quite aware that that maybe we were the last ones to 
you know, to have grown yeah, up without I, social media and that sort of stuff. I think if the world is still here in about 30 years, I think um, in 2050, looking back with a nostalgic view on 2020, it's going to be very different than us nostalgically looking back to 1990. Yeah. Because um, like you say, yeah. the, 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 the move to a more digital based society is definitely it gives a different a different um meaning to nostalgia i think yeah well i keep thinking that the bubble is going to burst and sort of some people kind of yawn when it's like oh wonder woman is coming out it's set in the 80s captain marvel set in the 90s stranger things bumblebee it just seems to be relentless that they're kind of leaning into 80s and early 90s culture. Yeah, and it is quite a specific time period almost yeah. as well, isn't it? It's not going back to the 70s, really. And it's no, not, because not looking think... into the noughties. It is a very specific tight time period. Mm. I think people are yearning for that more simpler time, mm. pre-internet. I think the future just doesn't look as cool either. <laughs> You know, I th- and I think I think us, and I think, uh, but younger people as well are really attracted to the aesthetic of that time, um, and and these kind of analog objects, um, and you know the typography and and stuff. It, it just looks it looks very different. Everything's very sort of clean and polished now, and you could you could argue slightly characterless. Um, so I think I think the aesthetic of it is just really really attractive. I mean that show on uh, Netflix, Sex Education, fascinates me because it's it's like really modern and what they're talking about and the storylines and the characters, um, super contemporary. But the aesthetic of it is very um, it's very nineties, okay. um, very kind of set in this school that doesn't look like it's today, um, and it just gives it this really sort of like lovely tonality to it yeah, I, I think there's a te- kind of... tendency now for everything to just be too clean isn't, and too crisp and too too, too tight as well yeah when everything's sort of like a bit too futury techy it's i don't know but the charm goes yeah and also i think in the 1980s and the 90s people were actually really obsessed about the future and it was a conversation that would always come up with and it was always met with excitement because of technology mm. and I don't feel like no, we terrible. have that kind of optimism anymore. No. It's actually very post-apocalyptic mm. kind of doom and gloom. And mm. I don't think too many people are actually that jacked about the future. No. People, if anything, want to go the other way now. Yeah, I think that's true. The optimism is yeah. not as high. Well, didn't, didn't, even, you... didn't even Nokia release the old, what was it, 8210 recently? Yeah, the with, hipsters with, um, with snake on it and love that. Yeah, but nostalgia is actually um, like a really, really unique and special emotion. So it's not; it's really different to memory. Like you can remember stuff from um, times gone by, but you won't get the same like emotional or, or sometimes physical reaction as when you're feeling nostalgia. And the things that you feel nostalgic for normally. Um, are things that have been really important to you at times in your life where you're kind of overcoming some sort of personal challenge. Um, And that could be something like quite serious that's going on in your life or family or just simple like kind of coming of age, you know, age old um, puberty and adolescence um, problems. So they will be tapping into that because, you know, we're all in the demographic now that is, you know, the people 
watching films and going to the cinema and that sort of thing. So if you can ignite nostalgia, it's incredibly potent from a commercial point of view and they also want to do it because of course if you can continue to ignite nostalgia you can keep riffing on that ip for years and years and years which is you know what they've obviously tried to do with star wars yeah that is i can really relate to that my relationship to certain films from that period is more like they are friends than they are pieces of art made by someone yeah. As in, they actually feel like people almost. Yeah, so characters, even more so than like stories, but specific characters are incredibly powerful vessels for nostalgia because you can you can interpret that character in a way that, that is personal to you at the time and build that relationship, like you say, that's like friends, that that you needed at that point in your life, whatever was going on. We talked about it on the first show when we watched Young Guns 2 as kids and your granddad is part of the Young Guns 2 package for me. He, <laughs> Absolutely, He is yeah. involved in my... Uh, love and memory of Young Guns 2 because he was there and I get when we were chatting about it I was getting the nostalgic feels I was like oh yeah I can I'm, I can see him I can see your mm. granddad there just and his mannerisms and what he was saying and that it just brought back those you know those good feels mm. yeah totally I thought maybe we could talk about G.I. Joe and Hasbro they've been trying to relaunch it for a long time it's a nostalgic brand yeah but it seems to to have been unsuccessful Action figures is a really interesting category within toys because it actually... It's struggling big time. Yeah, and it hasn't really evolved that much. Like if you look at how kind of some other toy categories have evolved to meet the needs of changing kids um it hasn't really evolved that much and to play with action figures you actually have to be really good at like acting out and role playing extending the play so taking on you know you've obviously got the character that you would know but then you need to sort of add in your own narratives and like bring in other characters in and I would argue that uh, kids are less good at doing that today um, because they don't they don't really practice that type of play for the length of time that children used to um, and because they are very attracted to instant gratification activities um, so I think it you see action figures a lot they've down aged a lot so very very young children um, will have action figures so I wonder if what they're trying to do with bringing back a license like that is actually stimulate some more um uh, togetherness play so um the dad for example might have remembered that and bring those in and that might be kind of a good way for him to connect and with his children what i see as well though is i think some of the uh manufacturers of these action figures are also potentially sometimes going the other way in that they're marketing them almost for the, the adult fans yeah um, because some of them are quite high end in terms of price uh in terms of level of of detail on the figures and the amount of articulation and accessories and they don't seem to be aimed at that kind of what we would have considered the core ages back in our day for action figures they a lot of them seem to be marketed to the to the you know the the older generation almost yeah definitely and then the much younger as well so you'll see like the big ones for like yeah there's almost no middle ground there's almost exactly yeah because those middle ground kids i mean how old 
would you have been at peak action figure age? I guess fifteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me, I'd have been ten. I'd have been ten, and Chief would have been sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I guess that's sort of like yeah, seven to ten year old now. I mean, they're you know they are doing they're on Fortnite, and you know they're doing really quite sophisticated things online so getting them to sit down and play with action figures is quite difficult but interestingly you know it does happen in our house Ben because you are the role model for that because we have all of those G.I.J. figures and I, I, I don't think that Phoenix actually would play in that way if you if you didn't kind of um, stimulate that yeah so you him. started buying all the old Star Wars and the old uh, Action Force G.I. Joe figures again no I didn't start oh, no, buying you them dug again. them out of the loft yeah that was my childhood and it is interesting that phoenix just cannot quite get there in the way that i was there in terms of you know just losing hours upon hours yeah. with just doing setups doing playing but did, with but them. Did, did he gravitate to it kind of of his own accord in terms of yes, being interested he's... and oh what's this dad what you got here but it's hard not to be interested when you pull out a bucket that's yeah. <laughs> full of hundreds of them and yeah. you're excited and I, about it and, yeah and i went on a journey collecting those to ask him to start uh, from scratch with a new ip it, it just it wouldn't happen no that is that is also the other thing i like about you bringing all of this influence into the home is that i th- i do think it it just it's super wholesome. Yeah, it just offsets the modern childhood. Absolutely, that's like what, it really does. Like when I come and see him in here, he can switch between playing, I don't know, something like really modern, like on the Switch or whatever he's doing on there, and then he'll just go on to the N sixty four. And there's something quite cool about having the complete crossover of. Um, yeah, kind of like analog and modern stuff. Yeah, it's just—it's also the willingness to try new things and accept new things and um, adapt, yeah. adapt and, and evolve, isn't it? Rather than my thing is playing on the Switch or playing on Fortnite, or yeah. whatever, and just not not pigeonholing yourself into one thing. Yeah, life's a buffet, man. Oh, I love a buff. <laughs> I could go <laughs> I for think, a buffet. Yeah, franchises and 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 toys and things like that 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 the parent and child can really come together over, I think can be incredibly powerful in um, building a bond. Um, I do think that that sort of like shared joy that you get from a particular IP um, can be quite magical, that cross-generational. Yeah, I've, we have, we have, I have Lego Club on a, on a Sunday at the moment with my daughter and um, she doesn't really play with Lego during the week or anything but she's mm. very very keen to remind me oh it's sunday we're doing lego club today Aww. um and so that that playtime is you know a, a great bonding session so yeah well even the fact that you call it the lego club yeah. is like it's your thing like you know you're in it together and she will know that for that time you're completely invested yeah in her and and in and in the play. Well, my and wife, my wife will really come over special. and she'll say, "Oh, what's going on here?" And she, and Evelyn will say, "It's Lego Club, Mummy. You don't know how it works. <laughs> so <laughs> it's an exclusive. It's an exclusive yeah. club. It's members yeah. only. Yeah. That's lovely. Well, I think that is a lovely note to end this interview on Emma. Where can the kids find you? <laughs> I'm just on Instagram because I can only handle having one social media. So I'm at the underscore playful den. And then if anyone wants is interested in 
the pineapple lounge you can go to the www.thepineapplelounge.com that was quite a high brow for the outer timers um <laughs> i yeah, feel well, like i've learnt some things well, i gotta I, I gotta take you guys up a notch <laughs> <laughs> i think you've definitely done that yeah, early days <laughs> early days um, yes, thank you so much for coming on, Emma. Um, we really appreciate your time, especially uh, in this time in your life when um, the last thing you want to do is be chatting to a couple of clowns late at night when you could be relaxing. That's fun. I might get back in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Cola Chaos. Uh, that sounds like you're taking a bath for that jingle I've, I've done. <laughs> I did have another cola in the fridge that I was going to do, and it is a Coca-Cola branded product. But obviously we did the first of the Coca-Colas last week, which was that spicy mixer, which didn't go down particularly well. So I have switched it up and I've gone for a Fentiman's botanically brewed full flavour cherry cola. Botanically brewed cola drink with a bold burst of cherry exquisitely crafted. Well, this is a 275 mils bottle, so you're, they're skimping already because the standardised size in the UK is pretty much 330 mils. Crack so it. It's a screw-top bottle, screw-top glass bottle. Um, let's have a look. It's a carbonated water fermented ginger root extract uh, cola drink. Let's have a go. Smell immediately. I'm getting big Mate. hints of cherry, and that is a cherry cola, so that's good. And uh, it's like... You know, you used to go in the old, the old timey sweet shops. You used to get yeah. the, the, the cherry flavored, the cherry flavored uh, sweets. Yeah, this is good and uh, quite a bit of carbonation there, more than the cola drink from last week. Are you getting a second wave? Sitting on the palate nicely. I think the only downside here is I'm saying possibly a tiny bit oversweet, tiny bit oversweet. Uh, okay, but, but that is. That's going down well. It is a cola flavour with cherry, which is what is branded as uh, good. That I'm giving that seven fizz bangs out of ten. Yeah, well, that's that's my beverage now, and I'm going to keep that beverage for the next segment because you always need a drink when you're watching or discussing movies. And now it's time for this week's underrated classic. When ghosts start arriving by the boatload, we got to find the guys. There's only one thing to do. Sometimes weird things happen. Someone has to deal with it. And who are you going to call? Let's suck in the cuts, guys, with the Ghostbusters. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, and Ernie Hudson in an Ivan Reitman film. Ghostbusters 2. We're the best, we're the beautiful, we're the only Ghostbusters. It's Ghostbusters 2. What a movie, love it. Now, when I say that, do you instantly think, yeah, that is underappreciated? Because uh, I, I certainly do. I do, and now a quick, a quick, well, what I want to do is, first of all, is I want to give you some numbers. Uh, films, movies in numbers. So, first of all, Ghostbusters, that came out in 1984, and domestic US did uh, 242 million. Uh, international was 53 million. So, domestic US accounted for 82%. Uh, overall, $295 million. Um, and then Ghostbusters 2 did $215 million. So, 80 million less. That was five years later. 
yeah now the split, that's the, actually the split a... was 52 percent domestic 48 percent international so it had a much more international audience but domestically 112 versus a 242 so it was an absolute flop at the u.s box office yeah, so it came out in 1989, directed by Ivan Reitman, yep. and that's actually considered to be quite a hefty gap for such a popular yeah. first film. Do we know why that was? I I don't think they could, I think, I don't know, scheduling, scripts, probably all of that jazz, yep. but usually a sequel would come out, I don't know, three years? Yeah, well, look at Young Guns, 88, Young Guns 2, 90. Yeah, so... Especially think, if, especially if that first movie did did well, and a quick look on Rotten Tomatoes, the last bit of numbers. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics ninety seven percent, which is accurate. Well, hundred should be, should but, be hundred. Uh, audience score eighty eight, which is about what I'd expect. So yeah. the first okay, movie but, is appreciated by all, effectively. And then Ghostbusters two, Rotten Tomatoes. Ghostbusters two, Rotten Tomatoes critics fifty three, uh, audience sixty one. Now yeah, I think okay, there's a little bit of what you. Uh, uh, aligned to last week in the this retrograding now these scores aren't based on people scoring this movie in 1989 it's critics and audience going back or not going back is rating these movies now based on you know what, yeah with, watching with them 2020 now. eyes correct but effectively but, we're looking at 53 percent critics 61 uh audience they should, and they should i think we're both back. disagreeing that, that those scores are incorrect or both agreeing that those scores are incorrect Yes, I think it is way closer to the first film in terms of its standard than people give it credit for. Yes. I think I can hit the nail on the head with why people think this is a lesser film than the first Ghostbusters. And it's because of the cartoon that came out in between, which was the real Ghostbusters, which was massively successful. It was huge. I'm not saying they dumbed it down, but they definitely sort of went more kiddie. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. For me, this second one followed almost exactly the same path and story arc as the first one. Um, you've got, in, initially in the first one, you've got, is it Walter Peck, who is the, the, the dude who's trying the to bureaucrat. shut down the bureaucrat. Yeah. He's actually in a, uh, Die Hard as well, and he? he's, the, he's the dick in Die Hard. I tell um, you, man, once you've played a dick once... <laughs> you're labelled. You, you just, that's your gig, yeah. isn't it? yeah. Uh, and in <laughs> Ghostbusters 2, they got another one, another guy in that vein who's trying to shut the Ghostbusters down. Um, you've got this um, otherworldly threat, obviously, because it's Ghostbusters. You've got the mayor who doesn't want to hear about it, but at the end, he's like, call the Ghostbusters. Uh, and that same thing happens. Um, you've got... Even the ending is kind of abrupt in the way that the first movie is they do the thing then they come out the building the credits start rolling and the crowd's cheering them that exact same thing happens in in the second one you could probably just say that the MacGuffin the actual the big bad that arc is probably not as as tight and as well done as the first film now what is flawless and absolutely perfect is the reintroduction yep. of all of the main characters. So for the first 40 minutes of Ghostbusters 2, it is just pure heaven. Yep. It's like catching up with old friends. Exactly. I mean, you get that initial 10 minutes where you see Winston and, and Ray at some kid's party. Incredible. Um, they all want He-Man. <laughs> they haven't got He-Man. They have, they have not got He-Man. They've got some out-of-work Ghostbusters. <laughs> Go 
Get a beer, all right? Yeah. Thank Bye. you. Call anytime. That's it. I've had it, Ray. No more parties. Here's your share. Look, I'm tired of taking abuse from overprivileged nine-year-olds. I know, Z, but we can't quit now. The holidays are coming up. It's our best season. Ray, man, face it. Ghostbusters doesn't exist. Even now, those kids won't even remember who we are. Ungrateful little yuppie larva. After all we did for this city. Yeah. We conjured up a hundred-foot marshmallow man through the top three floors off an uptown high-rise, ended up getting sued by every state, county, and city agency in New York. Yeah, but what a ride. You've got um, Egon in the science lab. Uh, and he's basically studying people. He's like, take away, take away the puppy, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I love that. He says he's doing sort of social experiments, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's uh, like, yeah. And you've got Venkman, who's on the World of the Psychic TV show. Um, that whole scene, that incredible. Whole scene. And that's why you can trust aliens. It's just oh, yeah. it's, uh, and, and Valentine's he, Day. On, on, <laughs> on next week's episode, hellish animals. Just quickly, that that first scene that you were talking about, where they're doing the kids' party. Yeah. Do they come outside and just crack open a beer? I think so, yes. Let's go get a beer, all right? Yeah. That's something that is way... You know in the first film how funny it is that they are just literally chain-smoking in yeah. every single yeah. scene yeah. and drinking Budweiser. Yeah. I think they uh, they tweaked that in this film. Yeah. Well, in <laughs> uh, towards the end where they're um, sliming the Statue of Liberty, uh, mm-hmm. Ray has got a big cigar in his mouth, like Hannibal Smith style. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, he's got a good. He's got the Nez, the Nez arcade. Pad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's controlling uh, the, the lady, Lady Liberty. There's another bit that's also reminiscent of the first one, and that's the uh, the real hokey TV adverts. Ah, what is it, honey? It's that darn ghost again. He just won't leave us alone. I guess we're just going to have to move. No, wait! Don't worry. We're not moving. He is. But the oh, Ghostbusters are advertising their services. Uh, yes, we love it. And that they're all kind of real stilted and jarring adverts, which again was a callback to the first, the first movie. Hey, Chief, they're actually from the first film. Some of those, I think, are they? They were shot during the first film and then unused. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I, I love all the. I, you get the, the montage as well, and they actually are back. And they're just out catching ghosts. Yeah. I actually would like a film of just that. Yeah. Well, in the in the where the credits were rolling, they show a lot of footage that was unused footage as well. Um, where they're kind oh of, yeah 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 they're getting medals and stuff and other things that were happening during the movie that was just unused footage. But um, where, where do yeah. we where before I want to talk about some of my favourite dialogue and favourite scenes. But um, you mentioned you know the MacGuffin, the big bad, uh, was maybe not as tight as the first movie. And I can remember as a kid watching it, and I think that was one of the things. I rate this a lot higher now than I actually did at the time back then. Same. Um, because, Hence why we're talking because, about Because uh, I was not a big fan of Janosch, uh, who is, I forget who the actor is that plays him, but he's the, the, yeah, he's great, the though, art he? director guy. Uh, and he, but now he is amazing. He is effectively, I mean, he's laying it on thick. He is Borat before Borat. I like it when he walks up to the dude, you know, you know, some other guy, and he's like, "Everything you're doing is bad. <laughs> yeah. I want you to know this." <laughs> when, he, when he first, when Vigo first uh, communicates with him in a portrait, the first thing he says is, "Lord, command me." He's, yes. he's sucked him straight away. I guess we should sort of do this, like as we're talking about these films, we're going to run them through, you know, a certain filter, aren't we? So we're going to talk about best scenes, yep. the score. Yep. What do you want to start with? Do you want to do best scenes? 
yeah, what's 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 your what's your what's your go to scene here? Okay, really? my absolute favourite scene that I have got a borderline obsession with. Yeah, is I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. On... Can I guess? You could go for it, by the way. Is it Razor Cult? It is. Yeah, yeah. How did? You... Yeah. Yeah. Because that is like you want to dive into that scene and just live there. Because this is uh, you want just... that to go on for an hour. They are just shooting the shit just to just, just to set out. the scene uh hopefully everyone has watched this movie before or done a rewatch ahead of this but uh this is where the ghostbusters are hard up for business and ray has bought a second-hand bookshop raise a raise a cult perhaps you could help me i'm looking for a love potion aerosol that i could spray on a certain penthouse pet to obtain her total submission hello Bankman. hi pete how's a call very well hi Ethan. how's school the, the, it's just it looks like it's somewhere in like Brooklyn. Yeah. It's, the, it's the, raining outside. All it's got the guys, great signage. all the guys have popped by except Winston, which we'll get onto in a minute as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The guys have popped by to, to kind of shoot the breeze and um, Venkman. They've got a client. Uh, Dana Barrett is back on the scene from Sigourney Weaver from the first one, and she's uh, yeah. had some um, contact with the supernatural early on in the movie. She's contacted Ray and Egon for some help, and Venkman is here trying to get the get the dish the dirt effectively. Yeah, he's um, he goes in there and Ray, uh, he's got a pipe yeah. and he's like, oh, your book's come in. Yeah. But your book came in. Magical Paths to Fortune and Power. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, good luck with that, Bankman. <laughs> Will you put this on my account, please? Sure. And then the answer to the phone, seven on weekdays, midnight on weekends. Yeah, it's an insane <laughs> schedule. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bit, the, one of my favourite lines is... Um, why don't you close this place up and go and buy me a, a calzone? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Ray, let's close this place up so you can buy me a calzone. Well, I really can't do that right now, Pete. I'm working on something. And that's when he says, no can do. And that's when, yeah, yep. he finds out about um, Dana. Um, couple of my, that's my favourite scene. Of, Have you got an, uh, any oh, others? That one, a couple of my favourite bits are um, where they've just discovered there's slime, which is in the sewer and uh, is psychoactive and it's a mood slime is where they're d- digging a hole in the middle of the subway in the middle of the oh it's incredible in the middle, dude in the middle of the, the, the highway <laughs> and uh they've got hard hats on and the, the cops pull up and yeah. um Venkman they incredible. ask Egon what he's doing here and Venkman has who to who told over. you to stop yeah. digging yeah. did you tell him <laughs> and then, there, and then <laughs> we got a gas leak here we got a major gas leak here and uh the, another favorite bit is uh, they're back at the yo H- they're, they're back at the hq and uh they put the slime into a toaster yeah fantastic to- it's another hangout scene the toaster it's the toaster's dancing and then right at the end of that scene um venkman puts his hand in the toaster and he's going ah ah, ah and uh, egon's like oh what's wrong what's wrong and he goes ah ow ow how did you ever go for it the old man-eating toaster. Yeah. Oh, also, I like the bit where Venkman meets uh, Dana's kid, and he's holding him. He goes, "Hey, he's ugly. I mean, not Elephant Man ugly, but yeah, yeah." And was his, was his daddy a smelly? <laughs> yeah. And is it wrong? <laughs> is it wrong that I've got a thing for Sigourney Weaver in this movie? No, because she you is have hot a thing. in this movie. She's hot in every movie. Yeah, okay. it's not wrong. It's not <laughs> okay, more right, right, Chief. Yeah, yeah, good. In that scene as well, uh, Egon probably has one of the best lines in the whole film. Yeah. When uh, he says, like, um, my parents didn't believe in toys. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ray's like, what, not even a slinky? And he's like, we had part, part of, of a slinky, but I straightened, but it. I straightened yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is all classics. Even when they're saying, it's they're investigating true. Dana's kid. And Ray says, have you ever done this before? Uh, on a chimp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, there is a slight sag in the middle. If I'm going to be critical, there's kind of yeah, like but a not 20... a sixty percent. Not you know, no, there's a twenty minute sag in the middle. But even the bit where they do mobilise Liberty and um, Ray, you know, Ray gets zapped by Vigo for a little bit. You know, that that's all good. It ties up really nicely in the end. I've got no complaints at all. Um, soundtrack. Can we talk about the soundtrack? Yeah. What's the... Is it Bobby... Bobby no, Brown. It? Yeah, Bobby does Brown. a couple of tunes. And he's in it. He is in it. Yeah, he's like the, the concierge at one of the hotels, I think, or something. Um, yeah, he's like, my cousin really wants one of those Proton pets. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, but overall, the score, you know, it's good the difference between these two films is that the first one is a five star film yep. and the second one is a four and a half star film yep. Yep. I think you're right um, let's just quickly uh, pick out some of the secondary characters uh, thoughts on uh, Lewis yeah so he's got a, a much more ramped up role hasn't he yeah so he's their attorney the bungling attorney at the beginning which is a classic comedy yeah that's sketch. it dude oh it's hard not to just keep talking about good yeah. scenes but when Vakeman's feeding in the lines <laughs> yeah leading <laughs> leading the attorney <laughs> So you were just trying to help out a help out a friend who was frightened, who was scared of what was happening to her. No when you're intent. scared, what? There was no evil. Intent. There was no evil intended, no malice, no, uh, uh, because you live here. When you live in a place and you love it like no, you do, you don't want nothing bad to happen. What? It's one shot. Because it, it, it'll never happen again. It's an isolated incident. It's a one-shot deal. Because one time I turned into a dog and they helped me. Thank you. Very good, Lewis. Short but pointless. Uh, and then he obviously uh, ends up being a ghostbuster at the end Um, yeah that always bugged me as a kid and it's and it bugs phoenix when he watches it that he gets the credit right from the you know the new year's eve crowd yeah yeah. Um, Um, great movie yeah so any thoughts on why they didn't make another one but was i I mean mean, i have to say okay yeah i mean that's a whole other podcast probably i think they did try to okay It's, it's funny isn't it because i'm not interested in in a third one now the perfect so this came out when uh 89 so the perfect time would have been you know like 94 or something like that yeah and it it, it didn't happen no and and this new one uh you stay a lot more in touch with media buzz and media news stories than me um i saw a trailer recently for a new ghostbusters and i thought it looked awful uh i thought it looked good i watched the 2016 ghostbusters movie and I didn't actually think it was a stinker. No, the biggest issue I have with that film is that it wasn't. It was a new continuity. It didn't continue right. from Ghostbusters Two. Yeah. I just want to quickly touch on uh, Winston in Ghostbusters Two because there are Don't lots of scenes where he's in it, but there are lots of scenes where he's absent, and I really can't understand what happened there. Eddie Murphy turned it down, didn't he, in the first one? Did he really? Yeah. Winston, he's in that first scene with Ray doing the kids' party, and then he's not at Ray's occult. He's not there when they go to Dana's apartment. He's not there. They're not mates with him. <laughs> okay, maybe that's it. Maybe it's that simple. I don't, I don't know. He just works for them. No, I'm not sure. Talking about Winston is funny because my brother swore that he was he Ghostbusters was, too. Yeah. It was a different actor. Oh, really? And in and in fairness to him. Winston in Ghostbusters 2 looks at least 15 years yeah, younger well, he shaved his tash. Than, than Winston in Ghostbusters. Oh, younger? I thought you were going to say older. Yes! No, younger. He looks like a pup. Okay, interesting. That's why Gav always thought it was a different actor, which is hilarious. Okay. 
But he, I, he I just thought there was enough. He certainly smokes a lot less yeah. in this one. Right, he certainly does smoke a lot less, yeah. Hey, maybe that's why he looks younger. Yeah. That that first film was probably sponsored by um like Marlboro. <laughs> must have been, must have been. No, that's I mean look, we we've we've summed it up there that Ghostbusters 2 is a great movie. Everyone who says it's not is wrong. Because I reckon Ghostbusters 2 falls under that category of like, oh the second one's shit. Don't watch it. Yeah. You're missing out. You are missing out. On two hours of Ghostbusters. Now, I had this on a little side note. I had this on VHS. I had a Ghostbusters. It was a double. Like you were saying that WrestleMania 4 was a double cassette uh, sleeve, double thingy. Yeah. I had Ghostbusters 1 and 2 in a double cassette package. Bet you did. And... Um, at the beginning of Ghostbusters 2 or something you got a trailer for Back to the Future 3 no that's what I got no I had a 20 minute Batman black and white TV episode from like the 19 you sure you didn't get this from Matcham's Market yeah no I I don't know that was weird Gav will remember that that doesn't sound real Gav will remember that Uh, no one else will but um, yeah oh that's that's what we need to do when we talk about these films Chief is um you, yeah, memories of the first time you saw it, yeah. and I saw it at the cinema. Okay, I and I, I I saw it at Salisbury Odeon, and I saw a trailer for Back to the Future Part Three. Fantastic. We talked about the movies, uh, but what I'm interested now in is what what kids are up to, what kids are saying. System start. Hello. How do you take your eggs? Scrambled egg on toast. Where are the eggs? Um, um, I like them with butter. Scrambled eggs! <laughs> They're so good though. They're like the best. Especially when you get ketchup on there and then you got them on toast. Thank you. Those gosh darn kids, eh? It's time to shine a spotlight on something, Chief. What are we going to shine a spotlight, spotlight on this week? Last week we talked about uh, streaming and where that's going. Um, have you got anything uh, in the barrel? I'm picturing you on one of those like prison um, towers with one of those massive spotlights. If only. And, you, and you're just shining it around. Yeah. And what you've landed on is Blockbuster Video. Ooh, interesting. It is scary how much of my downtime yeah. I think about Blockbuster and, and lament Blockbuster and wish I could just get in the car and drive to a Blockbuster yeah. and that my kids will, will never have that, come on, let's go and rent a video yeah. thing. I think about it a lot. Chief, do you think about it a lot? No, but I will start what? to now that you've said that. And that is bringing back memories because I w- actually worked in a Blockbuster. Oh, my. Okay. I'm very jealous. Okay, so the, the blockbuster I worked at, I was uh, at uni the first time round. Um, this, this man got addicted to academia. I love it. If I could go back to uh, university and do another four-year undergraduate course, I would do it. Uh, being, held, being held back by a, uh, a family. Child. Yeah, wife and kid is holding me back there. But, um, yeah, did, uh, whilst I was studying the first time round, so this was... A good 20 years ago, uh, plus 20, 22 years ago. Uh, in 2020, you could probably do a degree in Blockbuster yeah, video. Yeah. I, worked, I worked in the Frimley Green Blockbuster. But en- talk to me about the shop front. Talk to me about the size of the store. So a sh- uh, store was fairly small. Um, was it its own thing or part of something else? No, no, it was its own thing. It wasn't part of, part of another, um, like a, you know, a grocery store on the side or anything. 
Okay, the questions are going to come thick and fast because yep. I'm fascinated. Okay. Uh, was there a lot of foot traffic or was it you got to drive to this place? Did it have its own car park? Oh. <laughs> um, I don't... I think it did have its own car park. Very small what, one. Four, four spaces? Like, I'm saying maybe 12. Is that big? You're saying it had its own car park with 12 spaces. I, that sounds quite big. Okay. Maybe I'm miscounting, uh, but I will get on to my mate Parky, who I work there with, and he will let us know. Um, He's still there. <laughs> no, because this got <laughs> shut down. That's the one of the of course it did. One of the reasons. No, it was still going when I left, actually, uh, but it is obviously now shut down as all blockbusters are. Well, no. Okay, so Blockbuster opened in the UK in 1991. Okay. And it closed very suddenly uh, end of 2013. I think somewhere in early 2013 it got into trouble and someone, some nutter, yep. bought it. Right, okay. Now, interestingly, when I was there... Um, they were oh, yeah. they what were they were phasing buddy? out VHSs. So, what circle? What year? Sorry, uh, I want to say around end of 2013. You shut Blockbuster. Uh, I want to say around nine, somewhere between 98 and 01. So it was mainly VHS when I started. When I was finishing up, uh, the VHS section had been marginalised to maybe 15 percent of the store, and That's awful. they all then got sold off for like one pound each. And I made, basically awful. took a bag full of 50 VHSs home. Did you yeah. still got them? Uh, no, I had a big VHS clear out uh, about five years ago. I probably had about 300 VHSs, and I Foolish. gave them all. Just gave them to charity shop, mate. To hipsters, they're worth about 15 quid yeah, well, each now. Well, to me, they're worth nothing because I ain't got any left. I'm recollecting. Well, I say that. I'm looking at my shelf here. I've now, I'm looking at three VHSs, which are uh, widescreen, uh, Fox Video, The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, and Return of the Jedi. Uh, I'm looking at VHSs right now yeah. as well, and I'm looking at <laughs> Adventures in Babysitting, yep. uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, yep. Transformers the Movie, and then three different versions of the Star Wars trilogy. Nice. <laughs> nice. Now, yeah. just talking about VHS very quickly to own, I the first VHS I can remember yeah. was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, Paul Hatcher. Remember Paul Hatcher? Yeah, Scratcher. Hatcher, uh, Hatcher the Scratcher. He had something wrong with him. He was always scratching his head and his hair was falling out. I thought you were just going to leave it at that. <laughs> he had something wrong with him. <laughs> I went there. That's all right. That's all right. Um, <laughs> Uh, and he had his dad had bought him Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I'm pretty sure it was about seventy five quid. Oh wow! It was about seventy five quid for that VHS when it came out. Um, I used to love those big box curvy buggers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so in the store that I worked in, so VHS has got sold off. Then, oh my obviously God. DVDs, DVDs. Yeah, I had the shirt. I had the blockbuster tag, a blockbuster shirt with the tag on. Um, you hitting people up for late fees. Hitting people up for late fees. Uh, me and Parky did a lot of sh- evening shifts together. We would always put on... Um, it was open late, buddy, wasn't it? Open until 11pm. We would always incredible. put on... Two things vividly remember. We'd put on uh, Peanuts, Charlie Brown cartoon. We'd put that yeah, on because like, we, had, we it... had a choice of putting uh, movies on that would play on a very small, like... 16 inch crt tv that's what i mean i love that they were all hanging down they were hanging down flat screen and they were like and they were on show we were supposed to be putting on the current releases uh, you know to entice entice the public to to rent them but what we're actually doing is just playing our old favorites Um, and did the and did the audio just come through the whole store the audio would come through the whole store yeah yeah 
fascinating. And then the other thing we used to do was play uh, <laughs> blockbuster cricket, which was we'd have a lot of posters we'd put up in the windows. they come in the yeah. poster tubes. Right. So someone would get um, one of the posters, spare one, crunkle it up into a ball, and then when it was not busy, one person would stand in the corner, another person would bowl, and the person had to then hit this ball and knock as many DVDs off the shelf as they could. Incredible. Um, you get... Did you ever get any shit? Yeah, customers would come in, you'd hit them with the ball in the head and stuff like that, but you know. No, but I mean, did you, did you ever get any youths? Oh, get any uh, trouble from the uh, youths? No. Yeah. No. It, did you have a Hagen Dazs fridge? Um, we Ben and Jerry's fridge. You must have. We did have. Yeah, it was a Hagen Dazs. Yeah. The big thing when you go to Blockbuster was that you'd be in there for an hour. Yep. Sometimes yep. you must have felt Perusing. that when you when you worked there. Like, oh my god, this this chump has been in it for an hour. Yeah. And sometimes you'd leave with nothing, but you certainly would make sure you leave with a a Hagen Dazs cookie dough. <laughs> is that the fact? Is it? What happened to Blockbuster then? Just what? So I think this was about two thousand and. Five or something the blockbuster ceo yep. turns down a chance to buy netflix for a cool 50 mil yeah chump change didn't have the foresight to see where things were going you know he's got the name he's got everything they could have been netflix so easily yeah. instead of us saying netflix right now you'd be saying oh what's on blockbuster how they didn't see where things were going is baffling yeah that's why they're out of business I mean, I did all that love film stuff, you know. When that uh, that was maybe a, you know, a bit of a thorn. So Amazon bought that. A bit of a thorn they? in the side of Blockbuster because I guess they were still going simultaneously. That you know you could rent this movie, you could do a Blockbuster without having to drive to the store. I didn't like it at all. The posting thing, right. never did it. Right. I I, I, did, I did. It. I think I had like several accounts, but there was one scratchy DVD. Well, there was one point where you know love film were one of the main ones, I think, but then. Everyone jumped on that bandwagon as things, as trends do. And, you know, there was like 50 different suppliers of, of this. And that, again, just immediately died a death kind of almost overnight. Renting, because obviously you can now rent movies online through, you know, yeah. uh, Amazon or uh, Apple or, uh, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I don't know how big that renting culture is. Do you rent or do you buy? I do a bit of both. I actually bought Joker because what they do is... Uh, Joker comes out and you can't rent it for two weeks. Right. So it's out very early, kind of. It's not, you can't get it anywhere else. And I was like, I think I'm going to love this. I'll buy it. Took a risk. I don't know. Do you, do you rent? I've films? never rented a film online, no. And you haven't bought anything on like digital either? Haven't bought anything on digital either, no. So. Oh, yeah. By the way, how did you watch Ghostbusters 2? Uh, DVD. Yeah, not even Blu ray. Not even Blu ray, no. I worry quite a lot at night about the conditions that you're watching movies in right (laughs) (laughs) because chief the joys of um well not even 4k even christ (laughs) at least at least like 1080 you're um missing out on some good detail in ghostbusters 2 okay i mean next you're going to be saying it's not not widescreen (laughs) (laughs) all right moving on (laughs) What are we gonna? What are we moving on to? Well, no, it was just it was it was uh, no no nothing. It was just uh, uh, so I could avoid the question. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. That was that was great. Just catching up about Blockbuster Chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can uh, maybe catch up about Odeon as well because you worked there as well. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. for another show. crappy jobs are the best, Chief. Yeah. yeah, I was never more satisfied. I don't think in any job I've had than the job I had at Odeon. 
I think you're onto something there. Yeah, it doesn't can't can't sustain a family in this day and age, though. Would you consider as a special treat to me? Have you still got your blockbuster shirt? <laughs> no. Ah, oh, I thought you could have posted that to me, and I could wear it as jammies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be big on you probably, but um, people are probably a bit frightened about how much I love blockbuster. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, listen, man, we <laughs> have are. had a, a, a jam-packed show this week. Uh, and uh, well yeah all the topics and then you chuck a massive interview in there pow yeah, bam bam that's how we do it um next week i do want to talk about some comics with you is that okay absolutely because i'm reading a comic right now okay, so, well hopefully yeah. not right, right now while you're recording but um uh, yeah i want to no. talk comics so you can expect some comic talk next week uh, you can expect me to drink some cola me to you can expect me to drink some cola you to too. drink some cola we'll, we'll have another the real cheap stuff. We'll have another uh, unfairly ranked sequel to cover, uh, yet to be decided. Um, there'll be all the usual stuff as well. Uh, you can catch us in the usual places, and that is The Outer Timers, uh, and that is on Twitter. We are The Outer Timers with two Ts. I think we actually had a little name change, because originally we had one T in outer. Yeah, because we're, we're dumbasses, and then when I showed it to anyone... Yeah with a brain yeah. they're like well yeah you spelled it wrong yeah. so it's uh, the it's quite embarrassing so, so it's the <laughs> then outer O-U-T-T-A timers on correct. Um, Twitter and it's the same on Instagram and if you want to get hold Tell of you, us mates. by Gmail it's the outer timers at gmail.com and I'll see if I can start up a Facebook group maybe do you think that's uh, worth a go I think open everything alright we'll open everything yeah. let's, uh, let the people in but yeah that's it we have been the outer timers And we are out of time. See you next week. Laters. Laters. Laters.